folks, and welcome back to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. We're joined again today by our guests, Drew and Ellie Holcomb, the husband and wife Americana duo from right here in Nashville, Tennessee, good friends of Typology. Today, we get the second half, part two with Drew and Ellie. We're going to pick back up on where we left off uh, from last week's conversation from part one. And make sure you stick around to the end. Last week, we had Ellie finish off the podcast with a song. And at the end of this show, Drew will be singing the new release from Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. So stick around and make sure you catch that. Hey, I want to invite you to follow us on our socials. You can follow Ian on his Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Ian Morgan Cron. And you can follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Typology Podcast. That's T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y Podcast. Also, if you like the show, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. That really helps other people find the show, and uh, it goes a long way for us. We really, really appreciate that. All right, let's get on with part two of our interview with Drew and Ellie Holcomb. And now, here is the host of our show, Ian Cron. All right, Drew, Ellie, put herself out there. Now, I'm going to ask you to do the same. You're an eight, you're in therapy. So for me, with eights in therapy, there can be similar challenges to a seven, but it's a different kind of intensity, right? Yeah. Um, usually for an eight to get in the room, someone's had to wallop them a little bit. You yeah, know, for sure. To, for them to be able to say, I'm going to reach out uh, beyond myself. I'm mm-hmm. going to be willing to self-reflect um, because vulnerability is not your first language, right? Yeah. What brought you there? What are you working on as an eight? Like, yeah. what's happening? Well, I mean, a couple, there's sort of the, the long answer is that I sort of started a journey of self-reflection uh, when I was about 21. My brother I had a brother that died when I was 17, and I responded to that with a kind of classic, um, let me give you 10 reasons why his life was awesome and worth living and give me, you know, give you the high points of his obituary and make sense of it through that sort of means, but not actually like allow myself to miss him. So my senior year of college, I um, did a, I was in this program at University of Tennessee where you can kind of build your own major, and so I did a... Uh, pro, uh, a project where I did 100 interviews of people who knew him and trying to mm. dive into why his life was important to them. Uh, doctors, friends, because he had 2,000 people that came to his funeral. He was a very like, um, magnanimous mm. young kid in town. And so in doing that, I was like really dove into my own like sadness and grief. And so I, I, I became very acquainted with grief and became acquainted with allowing myself to co- sort of feel deeply and sadly and and then also rise out of that. And and I'm also have a seven wing. So I love fun. I love people. I love doing things. And so I, um, kind of how Ellie and I even got together was we both just loved this, sort of had this big sense of adventure. Mm-hmm. She would casually say something in college, like, man, that'd be fun to go do that. And the next thing you know, I'd already planned it, you know, that's great. Sort of one so of the fun. like benefits of being an eight is like just a can do spirit, you know? So, um, there were a variety of reasons I went to counseling over the, over the years that were sort of like the mild, you know, like I want to fix this or deal with this. But really, uh, I got really sick about three years ago. I got meningitis and spent nine days in the hospital. Oh, 
And coming out of that, I was really, um, I couldn't get like, I couldn't really get better. I couldn't feel better. And I really had, you know, I don't know if, you know, I was very, it wasn't PTSD, but it was very much like, I just couldn't, um, function the way I was used to functioning. And so I, I went to a counselor and like, I, I couldn't express to anyone I was close to how scared it, how scary mm. it was to feel like you're going to die. Mm. And I, I really in the hospital thought I was going to die mm. multiple days. And you could have, I could have. Yeah. Yeah. And I was afraid to, you know, my buddies were like, Oh man, that was crazy. How sick you were. You know, it's like, yeah, mm. <laughs> it was really crazy. You know? And then I, I didn't feel like I could necessarily express it to Ellie because I, I didn't want her to, um, try to make it better, which is sort of a tendency of like a sort of a big personality, you know, um, at least that was my fear, right. you know, obviously it's not exactly true. So I started going to counseling and, um, was able to sort of dive d down into that. And, and then out of that went through a sort of a professional, um, desert right after that, that sort of burned all the furniture in my room, you know, <laughs> internally. Right and gave me just like a significant identity crisis. And so I, I had heard of this guy who's an, who's also an eight, who's a counselor. And I was like, that's what I need. I need a good butt kicking. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I don't need another counselor just to go, wow, that's good. You know, I need somebody to like get in my face and that's what has happened. And it's been really good. And so I think for me, I, part of it was having kids. I just wanted to be a dad that, um, like led them well, but also uh, gave them plenty of space. You know, our first born is a daughter. And so she opened up these new rooms in my heart yeah. that um, were not there before. I mean, when, we, when she was a newborn, I was like, she was, I was playing with her on the floor and I like made the baby voice and called her pumpkin. And Ellie literally goes, what did you just say pumpkin? And I was like, I'll say whatever I want to my daughter. You know, cause like that would not have been a word I would have used. Like I'm a very <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. man's man, like, <laughs> Pumpkin? What? You know, <laughs> but it's like this funny thing we look back on. And so, man, our, and our middle son is, um, he, he's just this sweet, sensitive kid. He's, he's, he's a, he's all boy, but he's just different than me. And I, I want to be like, I don't want to, eights tend to, I think, sort of see the world a certain way and want everyone to sort of, you know, that's why they make great dictators, you know, <laughs> or they make dictators. I don't know if they're, there's a such thing as a great dictator, but you know, I, I try to be more of like a benevolent monarch is sort of, you know, that's how I, good of you. Yeah. Very good of you. You know, well, it's funny. Like we, I've, I've had this, this band now for 14 years and two of the guys that have been in the band now for 14 plus years with me. And we joke, that's kind of how the band operates. It's like right. somebody has to make the decisions. I'm okay with making decisions, but I want to be wise that there are plenty of things I'm not the expert on and they are. And so I need to, to listen and default to them as often as possible. And, um, obviously marriage is different than that. I'm not a monarch in the marriage, you know, we're equal. And, um, I really have loved the sort of the journey that we've had of Ellie really coming into her own and even her deciding to choose to do her career, which was a huge step of scariness for her and f fear. And she's done really well and really climbed a lot of mountains and to be a cheerleader. I think that one of the, hardest things for eights to do is to let others be in charge, you know, cause you just, oh, yeah. you always think you're the best person in the room to be in charge, mm -hmm. which I don't know what that is. It's a really sick and demented point of view in some ways, but it also tends to somewhat usually be true. Cause you have this, this capacity to go in and like make things happen. 
you know, in a, you can go in like not scared ever of chaos. You know, it's like, I will show you how we'll get through this chaos. Mm-hmm. But sometimes now it's like, Hey, this is not my chaos. I'm in it, but it's not mine. It's not mine to fix. I'm just going to help the other person navigate their way through it. But I'm not, you know, I don't have to be in charge here. And so let me just pause one second. Yeah. That's a huge revelation for Nate. Yeah. Huge. The realization that I don't have to be in charge here. I mean, I think part of what you're describing there is um, that softening of a strategy, right? So mm-hmm. if the, the strategy of the eight is, I am going to assert strength and power and control over the environment uh, so that neither I nor anybody else will see my weakness and vulnerability. Right. I will be in charge here. Um, and so what appears to be strength is actually being fueled by insecurity Fear. and anxiety For sure. from a child's perspective, right? Yeah. So it's a powerful testimony to your own growth that you're able to say that. Yeah. And actually execute on it. Like, yeah. I'm just not, this is not my chaos to fix. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, one of the things that's so interesting about the, the Enneagram in general is I've enjoyed trying to challenge people because I'm a challenger. When they when I see someone say, well, this is, I'm this and I do that and that's just, that's how it, how it is. And I'm like, well, that's actually not the point of the Enneagram is not to just like know yourself and just right. use it as an excuse yes. to be a certain way. Like as an eight, it's like, well, I just have a bad temper. Well, you don't get to yell at your kids just because you're an eight. That's right. You know? Yeah, it's not a hall pass. And so we, we were on this um, cruise. Ellie was playing music on this cruise. And this, um, what's the guy's name? Do you remember? Hunter. Uh, Hunter, yeah. Was doing this. Oh, this was with Amy. You with yeah. Amy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It so was. He told this great crazy. story about the Enneagram. And I can't remember exactly the details. But basically, he said there was this village in Vietnam. And they had this huge clay Buddha yeah. statue mm-hmm. in the middle. And had been there for generations. Oh. And they, you know always thought this was the clay statue. And so one year, this bolt of lightning strikes the statue, and boom, all the clay falls off, and there's actually a gold Buddha statue underneath it. When they do the research and find out that the gold Buddha had actually been there you know, for 90 years before that, and they covered it in clay because there was this war with a neighboring tribe, and they didn't want the neighboring tribe to steal the gold Buddha. And his point was that the, the Enneagram is the clay. It's how we, like survive the world it's the personality that we are you know whether it's nature or nurture and i'm not sure all the details i haven't haven't you know dived into it that much but we have a tendency to sort of like use the number as a way to say this is who i am and you just you can't get in unless you kind of play by my rules when it's a whole lot better to say like okay i have these tendencies i have these strategies and there's a lot of um if i stick to them then there's a lot of like people to get run over in the process and instead, I want to grow out of it. I want to learn to like move in health to two or like when I'm in, insecure, I go to five, you know, uh, like learning these things about yourself so that it's one of the classic things about me as an eight is that I honestly could care very little, almost zero what other people think about me, which is not a great way to go through life, mm-hmm. you know, not that you want people's approval, but it's important for you not to just go through life and get your way and run over people in the process, you know. So learning to sort of invite more and more people into my work, my, our, you know, parenting, our friendships, all these sort of things, you know, having the self-awareness to know that like, that's not my tendency, but it's actually really good when I do that 
has made life a lot like it's made me less fearful of life and have to have strategies to cope because I'm less afraid of being out of control and not being in charge and not knowing what it tomorrow looks like because I can't control it anyways. Mm -hmm. So might as well just sort of be a little more okay with whatever it is. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I, Merton would have said that that outer sort of encrusted self would be the false self. Yeah. Right. And we want to live into our true self. Right. Uh, that divine spark is what he would have used as the huh. word. We can use yeah. gold or whatever. Um, and how do we, and you're describing it, move from a place of living in spiritual unconsciousness, mm-hmm. right? A, a Living a non-conscious life, right? Where we're just... You know, surviving, just surviving, not living. And uh, but where we're not awake. Yeah. Right. You know, and really, we should be awake for this life. <laughs> it seems very obvious to me. Right. That if you, if you, you know, there's a lot of headache down here to get through. You might as well go out, go through it awake. And, and what I mean by uh, sort of living with conscious intentionality, which you're describing, which is, you know, you're doing enough self-reflection. You've had enough pain in your life. You're like, you know. You really should not be the kind of person who goes through life who's always in control and always, you know, steamrolling people to get your way, whatever. You know, uh, to be able to invite people in and to um, to be more vulnerable, yeah. to, to reveal one's, uh, to bear one's throat, you know, like wolves do when they want to end a fight. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? That's a great one. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And so you you literally now have a growth path, mm-hmm. right? And And the growth path is, how do I defrost? You know, how do I recover? And I would say for eights, how do I recover my innocence? Um, oftentimes, eights will report that, you know, early in childhood, something happened or that real or perceived that um, led them to the conclusion that we live in a might makes right world and I got to grow up faster than other people do and pony up and, you know, uh, and out of that, of course, nature and nurture is part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can't discount those factors. But, yeah. you know, and then moving out into the world, though, with, and I would define innocence as open heartedness without cynicism. Mm. Wow. And that's what you're doing with your daughter. Yeah. Mm. yeah hopefully, yeah. Open heartedness without cynicism. <clears throat> Eight fathers, I see this all the time. It's like with their daughters, <laughs> that's where they feel safe to be open hearted without cynicism. Oh, yeah. For sure. for sure. And if you can bring that out into the world beyond her to other adults. Yeah. Now, please don't call me pumpkin, but you get the idea, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ian Pumpkin. Ian Pumpkin, baby. <laughs> Ian to, pumpkin. To, but, you know, it's like leading. How do, how do we all learn how to lead with the heart? You know, how do we all learn just to lead with yeah. the heart? Uh, which takes great courage um, because it will get broken. There's no way around it. Yeah. No way to get around it. No. Yeah. What were you going to say? Are you, you well, I just, th- I, I, I feel like kind of astonished that I'm saying this, but it, it's so often for me has been the breaking, um, has been the, the pain that I just couldn't ignore anymore. Yes. Um, that has like broken me free of some of mm-hmm. that unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm always surprised to say that I'm grateful for pain because it just is like anti my nature. Don't worry. I still try to avoid it all the time. Like I, but I, I have learned enough times that, um, 
that just life in general is painful. Yes. It will be. We're all going, we all know what it is to suffer on one level or another. Right. And what you just said is powerful for Nate, which is um, that this is how it is. Yeah. And this is the way life works. And that word suffer, and I've said this before, but it's always worth repeating, derives from a Latin word that means to allow. Hmm. And so when sevens allow suffering, and rather than, you know, sometimes when I'm around a seven who's not awake, who's asleep, yeah. right, going through life in a state of sort of spiritual unconscious, I feel like they're running and looking over their shoulder. And sometimes I've said to a seven before, who's chasing you? What is behind you? Like, what are you looking over your shoulder at? And it's like, because whatever that is, you have to turn around and run at it. Yeah. <laughs> because you eventually will not be able to outrun whatever that thing is. You know, it's gonna get you. Yeah, yeah. The, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I know. Hopefully. Yeah. Or you will crazy. end up Peter Pan. Right. You will end up being the person who never grew up. Yeah. You know, and that's of course the danger for for sevens is that they don't turn and face what's chasing them. Yeah. You know, um, I think with a uh, question I have for sevens, I'll ask it to you, and then we're gonna get to a song from you guys too. So I want to make sure we leave yeah. some time for that. Yeah. You have a single that dropped just dropped today. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So like thirty minutes ago, you told me. So <laughs> I did. Yeah. What's the name of that single? Uh, the song's called Family. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And then I think by the time you know this is. In about three weeks, we have another song, which is a title track called "Dragons," which I think is probably the one we'll play because it's it's a good it's a good song about the heart. Yeah. Mm. So here's a question that my AA sponsor asked me the other day, and it absolutely nailed me to the wall. Nailed me to the wall. I was actually describing to him a situation I was facing, and I was like, uh, you know, you know, you call your sponsor when you're like freaking out, right? Yeah, He's yeah. Like, like, uh, <laughs> Whenever you're disturbed, you know, and you need to be reminded that you're not in charge, and maybe you ought to rely on your higher power to figure this stuff out, you know. And the 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 question that he asked me is, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Huh. Oh man, is that not? <laughs> this has become my question whenever I get disturbed or I get like freaked out uh, about life. I got to make a decision. I ask myself now, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? And so oftentimes good. it's like that's the answer, right? Is is that's what you yeah. should do? Yeah. So right now in your life, I don't know what it is that's you know going on. Yeah. But you are in the fear triad. Oh. Don't I know? It. I have a six wing, so then that's oh my exact, gosh, like, yeah, insult to injury. I feel, like a, yeah, I feel like a schizophrenic. I'm like, let's go do this, and I'm like, no, that's gonna be terrible. I mean, it's just, it is insane. I feel like a crazy person. I'm like, it's gonna be the best ever, but what if it's not? <laughs> that is great. So what uh, what would life be like if you weren't afraid? Oh man. Um, and what would you do if you weren't afraid? I, I love this. We had this conversation. Um, we had a kind of similar conversation two nights ago on the couch. Um, but I, uh, I think that I would, I would be okay to need things like, mm. like to ask for what I need. Mm. I'm really 
really still not good at that. Mm. Um, and I'm actually not even good at acknowledging. I don't even know what I need half the time. Right. Um, and so I would be okay with being needy and for, a- and for asking for what it is that I need. So we're gonna have to do some work on that. Yeah. But, um, and, and a lot of what I need to do, which is, this, this is going to sound crazy is a uh, play. Like I need to let myself play. I have three young kids, so there's a lot of like demands and I'm working. And so, um, like my margin for like time to myself mm. is right. pretty much non-existent yeah, right yeah. now. Um, and so it is a really like, but I actually really need to play and to rest right. uh, to even be able to do the work that I do. And right. so uh, it was this amazing thing happened yesterday. I had a co-write that got canceled and I have a deadline on a, a kid's book that I'm writing and which is so fun, but it is a deadline. And so right. it's kind of needs some yeah. things mm-hmm. need to move a word forward that with that. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Gosh. It's not exactly a creative or creativity uh, inspiring right. word. You have deadline. a deadline. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, what? No. Can we just call it happy day? Yeah. Yeah. Be inspired, but do it by April, whatever. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Because that's the deadline yeah. <laughs> I need a lifeline is what I need but I I I um really had a lot of things that I could have been doing but but Drew and I had this conversation he was like I think like he was kind of like I dare you I was like I just can't imagine taking time for myself right now I I just like what it does not fit in the schedule. And I said, I dare you to imagine. I, was like, I dare you to imagine it. And so it was such a freeing thing for me because somebody else had a boundary. They're like, I really want to write with you. I feel terrible. I want to keep my word, but I cannot do it today. And because they drew that boundary, I was like, I'm going to the lake. I, I literally turned the car around and, and drove to lake and got on a boat. And it was it was amazing to just allow myself to be like, I need to go have some space where I'm quiet and I'm in the sun and that's okay. Like it's, and y'all, I mean, I feel like I came alive. Yeah. I just, it was, it was, it was amazing. Um, and then I felt like I did everything else better cause I played a little bit and, um, that feels weird for seven to say that it's hard to play, but the season of life I'm in right now is I am maxed. Out. You know, that's a really good distinction. And we'll do this on another show mm. maybe because I'm not, I have a son who's a seven and dear, dear friends who are sevens. I'm not so sure sevens actually do know how to play. I Man. think they, I think they know how to manically desire it, desire yeah. it or mm. plan it. Think mm. about it. Um, and yet there's a desperation sometimes in an unconscious seven. It's desperate fun. Mm -hmm. It's not real. It's not a bubbly, gurgly joy. It's, it's this kind of, um, constricted. I will have fun. You you know what I mean? And not present too. Totally. Always looking toward the next. Yeah. Not present to it. You know, that's what's so beautiful about children, right? Is they have such a, such a constriction. Sort of a non-relationship with time, you, you know what uh, I mean? It's like, well, this is what we got. You know, they're they're not haven't lived long enough good. to regret what's in the past and think about it, and they haven't lived long enough to worry about the future because hmm. so someone's good. got it covered. So it's like, well, I so all I got to worry about right now is now, and that's pretty <laughs> right. good. That is good. <laughs> you know, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, you know, guys, what what I loved about this show is I wasn't sure what to expect. We don't know each other. Right. I've seen you perform ellie i've seen you perform actually i did a co-write one day with somebody and then 
they said, hey, come to this show I'm doing tonight at the Franklin Theater. Oh, and great. I'm pretty sure that you were on the, I know you were on the, on the, on the bill that night. There was like four or five writers. Yeah. I think maybe Tommy was, Tommy Sims was, was that, was that the night or Marcus Humman? Marcus, yeah. So I had written there. that day with yeah. Marcus. Yeah. And then you all were on stage that night. I'd never seen that. you perform before. I love that. And so I don't, I mean, I don't know you guys. And I was thinking seven with eight, seven with eight. Well, that's going to be sparky. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and I thought to myself, I hope they've done some work because, it, you know. And this you, can get awkward if they have Well, it. you know, it could just be, it would be, you know what it would be? It'd be entertaining, but it may not be deep. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and mm. what this was, was both. It, what, yeah. I, what I really picked up in the two of you, going back to Nietzsche's quote, is that the two of you don't just have a marriage, you have a great friendship. And... And that you are with conscious intentionality. You are, you are, you are intending to live awake in the world. Mm-hmm. That's clear because of the. Um, you're not just talking about the enneagram. It's like this is what, you know. It's like nope. I'm going to follow a path. You know. I'm going to follow a path toward toward finding that gold self. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. The gold of the self that that we contain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. It's like golly, I keep. Oh, you know, I spend so much time trying to, you know, when I meet with people and to try and convince them they're beautiful. Mm. It's like, this shouldn't be that hard. They spend their whole time arguing with me about, you know, well, I got this problem and I've got this problem and I've got that problem. You know, it's like, wow, what if we just turned that all upside down and just tapped into the resources of your goodness, you know, instead of pathologizing yourself up and down you know like you're not a problem that needs to be solved you're uh, a, you know you're a beautiful creature that needs, needs to, to be, be realized embraced, yeah. yeah and realized <laughs> you know brought to the surface so mm. and you're doing that with each other and you're doing it individually and i i do love that that one of the messages i'm hearing is you're not a fused couple that's when i know something is really off is when i have a, meet a couple that's merged and fused mm. at the hip and that means that neither one has an identity yeah, they're, they're, that the sum of the two of them is the identity, and that's unhealthy, right? Yeah. They're blurry, but but what actually is a healthy relationship in my mind is two people committed to becoming fully themselves and separate from each other, yeah. so that they can come together. Yeah. You can't come mm, together if you're not good. separate, <laughs> yeah, yeah. individuated, so you know. So and I feel that separation between yeah. the two of you, that healthy gap between the two of you that creates the opportunity for you to meet each other as separate people who have chosen communion, not fusion, Mm. you know? So that's beautiful. And on that incredibly wise and smart note, (laughs) uh, I want to move to the actual sort of great moment of the show. I want to hear a song and I want to hear something from the new record. What do we got? It's called Dragons. Uh, This is a song about grandfathers and ghosts and war and dragons wow <laughs> i can't wait you want a guitar yeah which one I'll use that one over there if that's all right there's some good ones in this room that's right here in the typology studios we have lots of guitars yeah all right okay folks here we go drew and ellie holcomb with drew holcomb and the neighbors brand new single dragons take it away brother I was climbing a mountain, asleep in the moonlight, 
The ghost of my grandpa came to me in a dream As the stars hung above us, he started singing this chorus He laughed loud as heaven and said this to me Take a few chances, a few worthy romances Go swimming in the ocean on New Year's Day Don't listen to the critics, stand up and bear witness Go slay all the dragons that stand in your way We stayed up and talked until the sunrise of war and love and sorrow He said stop spending all your money On forgiveness of sins Today is all you promised Don't trouble with tomorrow He faded into the forest Proudly singing this hymn Take a few chances A few worthy romances Go swimming in the ocean on New Year's Day Don't listen to the critics Stand up and bear witness Go slay all the dragons That stand in your way up in a fever surrounded by lightning all my windows were open and I let the rain flood in the past felt like present the future uncertain but I sang like a sparrow lost in the wind take a few chances a few worthy romances Go swimming in the ocean on New Year's Day Don't listen to the critics, stand up and bear witness Go slay all the dragons that stand in your way Go slay all the dragons that stand in your way Go slay all the dragons that stand in your Typology listeners, go out there and slay all your dragons. <laughs> Be sure to pick up uh, True Holcomb's new record. What's the name of the record, brother? Dragons. Dragons? Yeah. What a fine name. Yeah. Ellie, what's your latest project? What do you want people to know about? I think my latest one is my, my kid's record that came out with my book called Sing. Mm. Yeah. All right, everybody. You need to go out there and get a copy of Sing. Get yourself a copy of Dragons. Yeah. And then also remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. Until next time, folks. Yes. That was awesome.